This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Lord Adam the Young Bull of House Parker, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys, and Lady of Jameson, Lord Brett of House Fry, Sir David of House Fraser, Lord Nelson of the Long Isle, Sir Joshua of House Ross, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry. Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into Daenerys 1 of A Clash of Kings, and in our Maester study, we will be discussing House Mormont. Yeah, I'm actually pretty excited for that Maester study, Sir Ezra, because you brought up something to me. Um, you know, a little, a little theory. We're gonna, we're gonna do a, a kind of ex- expanding on, on it, uh, some point. Um, that I had never even thought of. Uh, yeah. To be entirely honest, and it's another one of those things that is just, it's hidden in such plain sight that I was just like, how have I never, <laughs> never, never put those two together? But yeah, so this episode, this uh, chapter, you know, is titled uh, Daenerys. But it really is more of a Jorah Mormont uh, type of a chapter. So, yeah, yeah, it really is, and and there's some there's some really neat stuff. And we even at the very end get some uh, interesting characters who we'll probably do uh, our extended edition for. So it's 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 cool. It's a good way to start off um, getting back into Den- into Daenerys and stuff. Although it sucks, the first half of this this chapter is just it's it's dry. All right, it's dry. Uh, it's okay. It's just kind of them wandering around. And, no, no, no. Seriously, it's just there's oh, it is dry, dry. desert. Yes, yeah, it is, yeah. It is. It is quite literally dry. <laughs> yes, you are. You are correct in in that. Every so, once in a while, Sir Ezra. Uh, makes all a, right, man. How you, makes how you funny. been? Uh, dude, I'm good. I've been good. Uh, honestly, let me think here. I had to give uh, I had to give the ACT this morning, which oh, that was crazy. Fun. So, yeah, th- that's sort of uh, my, my my weekend. It was fine though. I mean, it's just like. Extra things I have to do on the weekend, so we're recording a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, it's been good, and it's warmer. It's warmer now here. It's uh, I think we're finally. I, I think mow- winter is is moving. You know, I had, on, a, mow- on I had a mow the other day. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, had mow- I had a mow the other day. It was pretty funny. I, I remember t- I was talking to my dad because he, he lives in Ohio as well, and I was like, "Oh, how's it going there?" He's like, "Well, there's snow on the ground." I was like, "Well, I, I just mowed." He's like, "What?" <laughs> like, oh, dude, that, that your dad's probably like. He's, he, when you said you that you mowed, he went and he oiled. He he got everything ready. He's, ready. he's getting the mower. Yeah, he, yeah. He's he's one of those Indigo. guys. As soon as you see the neighbors mowing, he's out there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what else has been going on though? Anything else? Uh, not a lot since uh, well, since we last recorded. You know, I I went. To, I was I got back from Vegas. I talked about that a little bit. Uh, kind of a chill week, really. You and I just been hammering out stuff, getting all the YouTube uh, stuff going. People have been commenting on that, saying they really they really like that. So that's pretty cool. Um, and so I'm glad you guys have kind of found that. Um, on our on our YouTube page. But you and I yeah. just uh were hammering out some stuff for some possible more uh patreon rewards down the down the line stay tuned for 
for those. Mm-hmm. Kind of our, yep. our next our next uh, gift uh, basket, little little giveaway there. I think it's gonna be really cool. You and I just uh, we're doing yeah. some some graphic design work there. I think they're gonna be super cool. So that'll be everybody yep. everybody from that ten dollar tier up. So just kind of stay tuned for that next uh, that next little giveaway there. But it's gonna be super mm-hmm. super yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm excited. I just I just saw the finished product. I saw uh, Sir Matt sent it to me. It looks good, so I'm excited. And uh, also, I'd I'd like to you know, we're looking at incorporating some uh, YouTube uh, rewards into our Patreon as well. So, you know, here's the thing. We said this back in the day. This this podcast is called Bend the Knee. All right. Yeah. So I may need people who are listening on iTunes and Stitcher and Podbean and wherever else to go to YouTube just for a few moments. Okay, flatter me for just a second and go hit that subscribe button. All right. Like that's a, <laughs> I mean, we're trying, you know, to, to get a few subscribers there. Uh just for fun. And uh maybe, you know, there there's some features we can unlock if we get enough subscribers. So let's go. Let's work yeah. on it. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll uh, be eternally grateful. Yeah, absolutely. So all right, man. Well, um, I don't think we we didn't have a poll. Or did I I think I ran a poll. I ran a poll in 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 kind of a follow up. Let me pull this up here. Oh, cool. Uh, in in kind of a follow up to last week we were talking about the could a faceless man just go kill whoever they wanted, right? And yeah. even even in order even in order to um to accomplish a job. So uh, we had, so I said, can a faceless man kill anyone en route to his or her target or only there? Are they only allowed to kill their target? Um, 20, about 30 people said they are only allowed to kill their target. And then the other, wow. and then another five people said that they have a license to kill, uh, you know, like, <laughs> like James Bond, there, yeah, just, yeah. Ah, kill, kill it will. So. Um, so that's where we're at. So as I said, the majority of people believe, hey, and that's where that's where I'm I'm at. Is we talked about this last week with Jack and Hagar. Um, they're only allowed to only allowed to kill their target. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and we were. That's. I'm glad you you know ran that poll because I I had been wondering uh, what was up with that and uh, whether there was a way that he was weaseling around killing somebody else or. It, was it that along the way, um, God of Death was in need of another name, uh, uh, and someone offered it up? I, I, I really don't know. Uh, so yeah, that was last week at the our Raven's Nest. We had a nice little conversation. We we isolated that on our YouTube page too, so you guys can check that out there if you want to just listen to that conversation and not have to go through the entire podcast. But yeah, it's uh, the faces men are fascinating, and again, I love that Sir Eric kind of brought up it. The, the is it. Is it propaganda? Sometimes we believe just exactly what is said to us in the series, and it's like, maybe mm. not, you know? Maybe there are some things we need to question. And, uh, you know, it's great because people have started to question the maesters and, and various lords, people who we think are like those authority figures and, and they're trustworthy or whatever, but uh, maybe not. And actually, George has kind of shown us that in the uh, Song of Ice and Fire book and, and Fire and Blood. Like, yeah, there's, there's reason to doubt some of what is said in his writings, so... Yeah, absolutely. And it's again, it's all about perspective. Um, and that's something we'll kind of see today. You know, you get I think, you know, when you we see Daenerys's opinion of Jorah Mormont changing uh, in, in today's chapter. And so that's why I love, uh, you know, later when you get to uh, Feast for Crows and Dance of Dragons and you get some of those chapters uh, like that John chapter and that Sam chapter where it's the same conversation, but you get it from both sides. And so you, I think it's really cool because I think that's a huge 
point of how he tells this story. And we, we say that a lot, but it's, yeah, it, it's worth mentioning a lot. I, I, I'd, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we can kind of pay attention to those perspectives. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. Uh, I think with that, then we're going to move on into our maester study. And I wanted to try to find this before we really got going here, but that's okay. Um, we're talking about house Mormont, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, some, I, I came across a couple interesting theories and we plan on doing some stuff, uh, over on our Patreon, maybe doing like a green dream, uh, out of this. So I'll just give you guys a tidbit. I won't go into all the quotes and I won't pull up all the passages from the book, but I'll, I'll at least talk about this in brief here. So in summary, I mean, uh, Bear Island is, is just off the Northwest, uh, coast of the North region. So, so that's where you'll find it. It can be kind of, um, uh, how do they describe it? I mean, there, there's the, it's an Island and it's, it's harsher living. It's not like it's, there's nothing it, like they don't have singers. They don't have, I mean, their cook is pretty simple. That's mentioned in this chapter. You've got, uh, the terrain is a little harsh, but at the same time, it's beautiful. So it's beautiful, but yet it's a, it's a simpler, it's not, it's less developed, I guess. Right. That's a good yeah. way to put that. So, yeah, but it's one of the noble uh, houses there in the north, and uh, they are sworn to House Stark. Um, let's see. Their seat is at Bear Island, located in the Bay of Ice, northwest of Winterfell. Uh, and their sigil is kind of the black bear over a green wood. And their, and their, and their, their motto is, uh, here we stand. So you will know in, in the series, uh, whether you've read the books or, or the watch the show you've got jor mormont who is lord commander um of the night's watch at the beginning of the series and he kind of takes everybody north and then jorah mormont is his son who is an exile and who is down with daenerys targaryen so interesting that it's a small little house and there's two really big important mormonts in our series right yeah and we may get and we may get more later you know you and i were talking about we actually had to go back and and we were we were talking about this and it's like is Liana Morma in uh the books? <laughs> and right. let me pull it up here because I uh I still can't remember actually. Yeah, I, yeah, she, yeah, she, she is. She yeah. is. That's what I thought. I was like she is cuz we we're, we're going to talk uh we had a theory um with with Mage Morma and uh possibly some Dorm, Tormund Giants Bane. Um but right, uh, right. And yeah, we had we had to go back and look at that. Yeah, so she is, and when Stannis sends out his letters to kind of uh, recruit people in the north, uh, she is she is the person who is is left there, and she actually sends back a, res- a response. That's right, uh, re- like refuting his claim, yeah, saying that House House Mormont will bend uh, no knee unless it is to a Stark, and right? Which, so which ties into that whole Grand Northern yeah. conspiracy a little bit more, yeah. Right, and and Mage Mormont has a lot of uh, she has several daughters, so she has se- 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 several children. And but they they're with her and they they marched south with um with Rob, but you know yeah and we, we can talk more about where Mage is and, and what's going on there. But uh, House Mormont, uh, just some origins here. Let me go back up. Uh, their sword is pretty interesting, right? So we know that that John actually uh, gets the Valyrian steel sword, and and that's something else. We in our follow up Fridays, remember uh, Sir Matt? We used to talk a lot about the Valyrian steel sword of House Mormont and sort of like how in the world does a house like that get a Valyrian steel sword? Yeah, there is definitely, yeah. And we did an entire episode on it. Um, Longclaw 
right and mm-hmm. i i think i, th- I think it might, it's either it was either yeah like you said one of our first patreon episodes or it was uh on the main feed i can't i um i, I can't remember but um we talked about it a lot because it there's even loose there's it's there's even there's even loose interpretation that they possibly got this sword before house stark got a valyrian sword uh yeah when you look at the math and stuff when they talk about how old it is yeah yeah um, which doesn't make sense. So, I mean, to, like like to the origins here, I mean, the Mormonts are an old house with a proud and honorable reputation. Uh, according to Northern histories, Roderick Stark, a king in the North, gave Bear Island to the Mormonts after winning the Isle in a wrestling match from a driftwood king of the Ironborn. And we do know that the Ironborn still kind of raid or try, attempt to raid Bear Island from time to time. So, yeah, Um Let's see, the, the Mormont's land, um, it's cold, it's kind of a poor land. Uh, let's see here. Like the other women of Bear Isle, the women of House Mormont learned how to defend themselves from iron men and wildlings. Uh, House Mormont has, from iron men and wildlings, okay? House Mormont uh, has possessed long claw of Valyrian steel uh, sword for five centuries. So I don't know. Go look up uh, uh, long. Um, uh, gosh, the Stark sword. Ice. Uh, just ice. Thank ice. You. Yeah, I, I, I'm. Uh, How long is that? I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull it up here. But to, for my immediate recollection, is that they is that they've had ice for four hundred years. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it, it was odd that that uh, Longclaw had been a sword that was in this family with this family. Yeah, for for that long. Interesting. Uh, cause they kind of come, they kind of come from, from really nothing. Yeah. And uh, it says roughly see. about 400 years before King Robert Brathian's reign. So, I mean, it's possible you're talking about a hundred years and once you get that old, it's, you know, the story is handed down and handed down. It's possible that they both got them roughly at the same time, but it is just interesting that it's possible the Mormons have had a Valyrian steel sword longer than house Stark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now in the Targaryen history, not much is mentioned actually about um, House House Mormont, other than you know aid coming from Bear Island, uh, just to aid of um, Aegon the First in his campaign against the Iron Islands, and then another mention for uh, when they aided the Starks one time, and then that they were present at the tourney of Harrenhal. So, not a whole lot uh, from them. And again, like I said. Jorah and Jorah are your two biggest uh, characters there, and we'll talk about what happened to Jorah and his sort of um, his fall, his exile, and we'll go from there. Now, let's just get into something interesting, okay? Uh, so I want, I thought, did I put this in the doc? Let me see here. I think I did. Yes, yeah, Sir Matt, if you would, in the doc, will you just read for us the, uh, if you get onto the Maester study there, read the titles of one Tormund Giants Bane. Uh, let me zoom in here because I need glasses. Uh, Tormund, Giant's Bane, Tall Talker, Hornblower, and Breaker of Ice. Tormund, Thunderfist, Husband to Bears, the Mead King of Ruddy Hall, Speaker to Gods, and Father of Hosts. <laughs> okay, so all, all we'll say uh, for right now is that it's often been wondered, uh, I think uh, George Martin has actually spoken about this, and he, someone asked him, who is, you know, so it's, it's Mage Mormont. She is in charge now. You know, Jor was the lord of Bear Isle 
left, um, abdicated, went and, and uh, gave that up to his son, Jorah, who kind of squandered the opportunity. And when he has to go into exile, it's actually uh, Jorah's sister, Mage Mormont, who will then sort of ascend and become, um, you know, she kind of rules the the Iron Islands. Or, I'm sorry, um, Bear Isle. And it's just interesting. She has no husband that we know of. Um, and then, so people have made this kind of connection that perhaps Tormund Giant's Bane was one of the wildlings who stole a wife, uh, if you will, from Bear Isle. And he, he says at one point that he slept with a bear and that they have strong children together and all this kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll go into more of the uh, quotes and the and the text later on that. I think it'd be a good little follow-up. It's just kind of kind of fun. I saw it, and I feel like I maybe have seen it before, but I, I hadn't really given it much thought. And then I, I saw a video on it, and I read some stuff about it, and I was like, holy cow, this is legit. So uh, it was actually, I think, during season seven or eight, someone was trying to make a connection between uh, Tormund Giantsbane and uh, Liana Mormont, that maybe that's his daughter. Yeah, I that'd be cool. Which that'd is, be, that'd which be, is cool. That would be really, really interesting. It is, it, and it, it, and again, she is a giant's bane. Uh, she kills right. Mm-hmm. I mean, she kills the, the white giant, right? Yes, she does. So, yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> too it's many just, connections. It's just one of those too, things. Too many, yeah. It's just one of those things where it's once it's explained to you, it seems like it's hidden in such plain sight that it's like, how did I not ever see this before? Right. <laughs> And that's yeah. what makes this series, especially the book, so great is because George does just hide things in completely just open sight. I mean, just mm-hmm. it's just it's right there in your face. How, and then as soon as as soon as it's as soon as you look like two seconds into it, you're like, oh, my God, how did I how did, how did I ever possibly miss something like this? So, yeah, it, yeah. yeah it's it, when you read that to me, I was just uh, before, we, you know, I just a couple hours ago uh before we started the show and everything and um now it's like the only thing i'm think i've been thinking about for the past like two hours <laughs> so i'm just like oh yeah how did i miss that yeah it's it's sort of just it's so ironic and then you look at like um torment in the book his speech how it changes and fluctuates and stuff and you're like oh i mean this is all right this guy just chooses to live up there i mean the wildlings I don't know. We, we'll, we'll get into it later. But House Mormont's really cool. We don't know much about them. Their their women are fierce, though, absolutely fierce. And um, I think it's um, is it Daisy Mormont, right? So she is there with Rob quite a bit, and she's yeah. a she's a legit like uh, he considers her to be one of his better warriors. And uh, yeah. So, anyways, really cool house, really awesome. We'll get into more of what happened with Jorah Mormont in this chapter, and. Uh, yeah, learn about how he squandered everything. Yeah. So. Okay. All right, man. Well, uh, do we head on over to the reread? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. So, um, this week we're into Daenerys one. Last week we were with Theon. Uh, we're after an absence of ten years. Uh, Theon had arrived back on the island Pike. Um, he docked at Lordsport and is disappointed to discover that his father, Lord Balon Greyjoy, has sent only Theon's uncle, uh, a pre, you know, uh, Arian, a, a priest of the Drowned God, to escort him to Balon's castle at Pike. 
Theon is greeted coldly by his father, after which he presents Balon with Rob Stark's letter. Uh, Balon rejects the proposed alliance with Rob, instead insisted that he will pay the iron price and carve out a kingdom of his own. So this week we're with Daenerys, but the last time we were with Daenerys was Daenerys 10 Game of Thrones, final chapter of that book where Daenerys um, builds a funeral pyre for Drogo and places her dragon eggs amongst his treasures. When she attempts to take control of a few remaining Dothraki as a call would, she is refused. As night falls, Daenerys lights the pyre and is drawn by instinct deep into the inferno. When the pyre dies, the others find her unburnt and nursing the first three babies, baby dragons in a hundred in hundreds of years. This week, Daenerys one of a Clash of Kings, Daenerys Targaryen decides to follow the Red Comet deep into the Red Ways to protect her newborn dragons. Many of her Kalasar die before they find shelter in a ruined city. There, Sir Jorah Mormont tells her about his second wife, Lainice Hightower. While her people rest, Daenerys sends her three blood riders to scout, and Jogo returns with three strangers from the great city of Karth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I'll just I'll, I'll go ahead and read just a little a little bit here, and then we'll get into it. Um, you know, the Dothraki named the comet uh, Shirek Quia, the Bleeding Star. The old men uh, muttered uh, that it omened ill, but Daenerys Targaryen had seen it first on the night she burned Khal Drogo, the night her dragons had awakened. It is the herald of my coming, she told herself, as she gazed up into the night sky with wonder in her heart. The gods have sent it to show me the way. Again, here we go. Another chapter, another reference to this comment and what it could possibly mean. So here's a question for you, Sir Ezra, right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. Do you think we will ever learn the purpose of the comet or do you th the comet or do you think it's just simply something that everyone sees and they all believe it has something to do with them yeah i don't think we'll ever yeah i i, I don't think we will ever learn um i don't think we're ever gonna be told exactly what it means or, or what have you that we we may come across a text or a scroll later on that uh that hints at a prophecy or something you know and that may be about it, but with with two books left, and th there's so many things that I just don't think um, that that I think are in there. It's sort of, it's sort of this motif that we see in the first several point of view chapters of this book, and then it will go away. Um, it's something that kind of, it's it's a line that ties all these different point of views together. They're all reflecting on the same thing, and so that's that's cool. It's interesting and to see the different interpretations. Also, I think George is just kind of telling us here that he, I, I think he's letting us know not to truly trust just one person. They, these people are speculating on things that they have no idea that like, it's, it's just a comment. It's, it's just a comment and it's cool that they saw it, but it seems like it's of the gods. It seems like it's epic and, and whatever. And, and, where we start to question, we start to think, well, maybe they're onto something. Maybe these, you know, Theon and, and Danny and um, Davos and whoever, Melisandre commenting on it, like because of there, because there's a little element of magic, we think, okay, yeah, may, maybe there's something here, but, but really it's just a comment. And I think it causes us to kind of question our narrator or the point of view just a little bit. And it's not like they're intentionally misleading us. It's just what they think or what they believe this comet to be. So, 
Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I don't think you can ever answer that. I actually don't think it's something he could come in here later and say, oh, this is what it means. It was, it um, was exa- of, exactly it, 100%. Yeah. It was because of the birth of dragons or it was because of White Walkers or, or, just, or anything. The cup, yeah, the, yeah. The return of magic. Relore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's a good well, question, though. Okay. Um. So, you know, Daenerys views this comment as the way we must go, though in truth it was the only way open to her. She dare not turn north onto the vast ocean of the grass they called the, the Dothraki Sea. The first Kalasar that they would meet up with would, you know, would swallow up her band um, and killing and slaving the rest. Um, so she's kind of in in a in a tough spot here because she doesn't really know where to go, and there's only, you know, she doesn't really know where she's at, uh, mm-hmm. and then yeah, this the uh, there's this chapter is really almost in two parts, right? Uh, you know, we used to, we used to kind of break this down into three into say, hey, this is segment one, this is segment, um, and I yeah. think that, I think that kind of works well for this chapter because really you've got. Daenerys and and them kind of struggling on where to go and then we get we'll later get into her conversations with Jorah where we get his his um his his backstory here so you know they're all what do we do where do we go um they're talking a little bit about the dragons now we have the little baby mm-hmm. dragons um yeah and they're 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 explaining to them um you know how those dragon eggs were incredibly valuable because yes. there's only three of them in the world. Well, now you have living dragons, so those are right. <laughs> be, there is no value uh, to them; they're mm-hmm. inv- right. inv- invaluable. Um, you know, she yeah, talks about it, how they're beyond price. Yeah. They're mine. Nobody's you know nobody's gonna gonna take take those um, from me. Is kind of where we're at. And so you know, again, they're they're still out there. We're gonna follow the comet. She says. Once it was said, no word was raised against it. They had been Drogo's people, but now they were hers. Uh, the unburnt they called her and mother of dragons her word was their law yeah yeah and 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 just to kind of recap some of these people so we have about i think jorah says around a hundred and and he calls them warriors at first uh and she says more more like four uh the other you know the, the others that are left would just be old men and women uh or people who were not warriors uh or young children uh yeah, who, who who kind of followed her because she is the mother of dragons and she is the unburnt, and they marveled at what what happened there at the funeral pyre. So uh, another thing that's interesting to note, really, it's funny that the that the comet, the one way in which no one recommends for her to go, is the way that the comet is sort of leading them. She's actually dissuaded from going in any other direction because Caldrogo's like his that like that Kalasar had split up into a couple and the the direction in which they had had gone limited the way in which she could she had to go south you know going into the the dothraki sea was no good people wonder why she wouldn't just go over uh to the ruin or then and then over to some of these free cities and it's because um you know one of his one of his co had went that way with his kalasar i think he took ten thousand warriors with him so she is kind of limited in in the direction that she can travel so, yeah. And, um, you know, and then uh, Jor Mormont breaks, brings up coming east and heading to possibly a by the shadow or, or some of those uh, some of those cities. But, man, I I think she's lucky that she didn't, because, you know, obviously we know that this being a reread. And, and for those of you who've watched the show, um, 
what happens when she gets to Karth and she has to deal with the House of the Undying. Imagine if she'd gone to a Shy by the Shadow, what they would mm-hmm. have wanted to do with. I mean, just from the stories we hear and Relore and all this other stuff that's there. I mean, I think that she would have had even even possibly worse time had she gone over there with her dragons. God, though, what is going on over there? I, I don't mean, know, that, man. You know, we don't know. We, we don't, don't know. know. And it's it's like um, Mir Mazdur had said that you know she knew some of um, some of the goings on there. Quaith, um, Melisandra, Marwyn the Mage, others. It's hinted at, but I I don't know that we've ever accessed the actual city and seen what a sh- a true Shadowbinder looks. I don't know. It 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 would be cool to kind of kind of see that so part of me wishes she would have gone that way and maybe they would have given her more power she would have been you know some super sorceress or something who knows yeah but yeah well as as they are as they are traveling they just talk a little bit about who's uh just you know we lost this guy we lost this girl uh you know you know um talks about um weak children wrinkled old women and the sick and the you know the, the stupid and the he- heedless um you know, all, all just all these all these people, you know, and she talks about how as as they're going, they're just losing more and more of these people. You know, they talk about a man, one man fell out of his saddle. He was probably so far gone at that point anyway that uh, he didn't really have much life left in him. He died an hour later. Uh, and so then that's so that's kind of the state we're in uh, right now as we're we're traveling out in the middle of nowhere, the, the waste and just. They 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 they, yeah. they travel at night because they it's the heart the sunlight is too harsh. Yeah, the, it's it's that, and it's also you know uh, it's it's the sand, it's the dryness, right? It's coarse, it's getting everywhere. It's I rough. Mean, it's, yeah, right. Yeah, the the whole thing. <laughs> so, uh, but you're right. Yeah, the the weak are dying, and um, it's crazy too. They bring up the tradition of of like when someone uh, died or, or fell off their horse that they they butchered the. Um, weakest horse or whatever, so that they could ride in the afterlife with that horse. It's kind of a crazy little, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just interesting, just that they would kill. It. It's just a part of their culture or whatever. Uh, yeah, there is a paragraph here that's interesting though. Danny herself is starting to hunger and thirst, and uh, says that you know the, the milk in her breast had dried up. Um, let's see, the, the, yeah, the flesh is starting to fall away from her. Yet it was her dragons that she feared for. Her father had been slain before she was born, and her splendid brother, Rhaegar, as well. Her mother had died bringing her into the world while the storm screamed outside. Gentle Sir Willem Derry, who must have loved her after a fashion, had been taken by a wasting sickness when she was very young. Her brother Viserys, Caldrogo, who was her son and stars, even her unborn son, the gods had claimed them all. They will not... Have my dragons, she vowed. They will not. So, yeah, she's fiercely protective of these of these dragons, and she's caring for them. Um, it mentions that each day, kind of, she puts a dragon up on her shoulder, and the other two are carried between. There's a pole that's suspended between two horses, and there's these woven um, cages, sort of, uh, to keep. Well, oh, yeah, the the, the baby dragons can uh, chill out there. And she tries to feed them meat, and I thought this was interesting. I, I think she said it was Viserys who she had recalled a conversation that men and dragons um, were the only two that 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 ate their meat uh, cooked. Yeah, you know. Yeah, only uh, dragons and men eat cooked meat. He had said. Yeah, yeah, because they weren't eating just the raw horse meat that she was 
giving them. And so she's worried about that. And so she's, she's dwelling and she's thinking about, man, what is it like? Like, what do I know about dragons uh, that, that would be helpful to them? And it's, it's really important that she knows that, you know, had this been, had these dragons have been uh, born to anyone else, they, they don't, they don't have the information necessary to take care of them, but she does somehow it's, Crazy. Yeah, throughout the, yeah, just through the stories and stuff like that. It said when she had her handmaidens char the horse meat black, the dragons ripped at it eagerly, their heads striking like snakes. So long as the meat was seared, they gulped down several times their own weight every day, and at last began to grow larger and stronger. Danny marveled at the smoothness of their scales and the heat that poured off of them, so palpable that on cold nights their whole bodies seemed to steam. Yeah, it's he, pretty cool. Yeah, right, right, right from the get, get go. Even with these, even with these things being babies, you can you can see uh, these are going to be a very valuable asset <laughs> as we mm-hmm. as we as we progress throughout the story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, she she goes over. She's recalling Aegon's dragons and how they were named after old um, old Valyria after gods from from old Valyria, and she decides to name her dragons after those that she cared about and those that she had lost. Uh, so, which is, which is pretty cool. And actually it's a, it's a great nod and reference back to Aegon the Conqueror and his two sisters, um, Rhaenys and, and Visenya, right. Mm-hmm. And, and their dragons, Vagar, Meraxes, and then Aegon rode Balerion, the black dread. So just cool. Cause we're kind of getting a little nod or some foreshadowing here as to what the, her dragons could turn out to be and also it's interesting that there are three that there are three dragons and then you make a reference back to Aegon and his his two sisters yeah so yeah who will those who will those other two be in this series uh for 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 Danny yeah and so she says um it it may be as you say blood of my blood Danny replied uh, gravely but he shall have a new name for this new life um, you know, because there they say there sits Balerion, right? Ego uh, Ego uh, murmured. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would have them all. I would name them all for those that the gods have taken. The green one shall be called Rhaegal for my valiant brother who died on the green banks of the Trident. The cream and gold I call Viserion. Viserys was cruel and weak and frightened, yet he was my brother still. His dragon will do what he could not. And the black beast asked Sir Jorah Mormont, the black, she said, is Drogon. Yet even as her dragons prospered, her Kalisar withered and died. So again, we have these dragons and that is awesome. But as we're, it's, we still need to get somewhere is, is mm-hmm. where, is where we're going with this, with this chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And then as you brought up, you know, earlier, the conversation that switches back to, we have to get somewhere where there's water, uh, where there, where we have resources and we can kind of survive. So the way that they're traveling and then they travel so far that I think at one point Jorah says, um, he admits to her that he didn't think it would be this difficult, but he, and he knows that they may perish, uh, by continuing, but he knows for a fact that if they go back, that they will, indeed perish he knows for a fact we can't turn back we have to keep going right we're, we're too uh, so they far. can't we're stop they can't yeah 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 they're too far into it so yeah uh yeah they, they saw no sign of other travelers the dothraki began to uh mutter fearfully that the comet had led them to some hell uh danny goes and asks uh sir jorah mormont are we lost uh does this waste have no end to it it has an end 
he answers. I have seen the maps the traders uh, drew, my queen. Um, few caravans come this way, that is so, yet there are great kingdoms to the east, the cities full of wonders. Yiti, Karth, Ashai, by the shadow. Uh, he says, well, we live to see them. I will not lie to you, this way is harder than I dared think, uh, as, you, as you just said. Um, you know, perhaps we are, yeah, yeah, and then, you know, perhaps we are doomed if we press on, but I know for certainty that we are doomed if we turn back. Uh, then Danny mm-hmm. kisses him on the cheek, uh, you know, and she thinks, I must be strong for him as well. She thought grimly, a knight he may be, but I am the blood of the dragon. Uh, Danny, you, you know, you better be careful. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Sending some mixed signals Dude. there, man. Yeah. Goodness. What is Sir, what is Sir, Sir, Sir Jorah to think here? No, I'm kidding. Um, you'll find out why we say that later in a sec, because uh, he is definitely he's got he's got eyes for her for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So here we go. Like the the next part of this though is they see sort of a mirage, and they don't know what this place is. She asks Sir, Sir Jorah, like, do you know? Uh, he's not seen this. He's he said he's never traveled this far. Um, they find out it's kind of this uh ghost town city whatever it may be it's 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 walls are cracked and and its gates are broken uh but that there is sort of life inside this city and there's a chance so they enter the city and for a while i mean they have sort of they have water uh they have a few plums some 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 plums i think at one point jorah finds a peach right he's able to give her a peach and and everything uh, which is good. So this is this gives them uh, time to at least gather their strength a little bit and decide what to do. Um, yeah, it's 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 sort of weird. I think they don't they hint at the idea that maybe this was something, a city that another Kalasar might have yeah. you know hit or ransacked or someone from like a coastal region, right? Yeah, and it's interesting because we only come to this place once in the series. And so it is mm-hmm. just interesting. Hey, there is this 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 city that was here, um, and I'm sure there's probably theories and stuff like that on it. I just I would have to do, I'll have to do some research, um, and actually I will here in a second uh, to see if there are any yeah. theories on on what this what this city is. But yeah, it is just kind of interesting that they they come here, and this is where they're drinking the water. Um, they, they they but they say it's like it's not very good. It's it's like they it's it's really warm. They've got to they've got to cool it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On their way there, yeah. So, so yeah, they see that mirage, and then you're right. They they find access to water, and and that's yeah, not good. Um, tepid water that they have to drink, but water's water, and that's that's good for them. Um, eventually, they do find a clean well, which is thankfully, uh, which 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 is good. But these cities, though, you know, something that's interesting uh, here in a little bit. And I'm kind of jumping ahead, ju- jumping around, but like, uh, Danny will send out her blood riders, and this is not the only one. And I'm not even talking about Karth. I know you mentioned that in the summary. We'll we'll get there. But there's other cities that are kind of other places that are like this. So and it, it, it says right here that uh, there was a statue that was missing. Like there were there were certain things that seemed like there like there should have been a statue there, or there should have been some relic to their gods or their temple, and it was gone. So she wondered if that was, you know, in Vase Dothrak and that had been one of these stolen gods. It was among the other statues there. So that's where we kind of get that hinting that, uh, that, that the Dothraki have been there. Yeah. I'm looking, 
I'm looking. No, even the the uh, Song of Ice and Fire reread Reddit, which is normally really good at breaking stuff down to. I mean, like everything. They don't even have anything on this chapter, and this is their third read through of this where they're at right now. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know if there's really anything on that city. Yeah, it could just be it's abandoned. It's a sort of a stomping uh, point along the way, and and it could be that this area was once more uh, green and lush, and that there were rivers and things maybe it just you know dried up or whatever and and these people had to had to move move on or or or, or they dwindled in population so much that they were easy pickings so yeah okay um yeah okay so after that is uh really almost where we start to get to her conversation with with jora mormont um mm-hmm. and she, she basically kind of asks him about his life right and that he was he was yeah. married uh, and he begins uh, talking about his his really his second wife, um, which is Lysine Hightower. Uh, and he talks about how mm-hmm. she was it was a really great thing for him because she was far more highborn than um, than he is. I mean, he's still a lord, but she is from a much ren- more renowned family. Right. You know, the Hightowers. Yeah. Uh, you know, Gerald Hightower was uh, Kingsguard uh, to Rhaegar uh, Targaryen. And so, you know, as uh, Danny says, yeah, I remember the Hightowers. They were very loyal and uh, to my father. Um, he says, you know, our marriage was was it's a, it's a long tale and a dull one. He doesn't really want to he doesn't really want to get into it. Um, I think mostly just because it kind of makes him sad. But he ends up kind of getting yeah. he ends up kind of getting into it. He talks about Bear Island. He says, you know, it's beautiful, but it's remote. Imagine old gnarled oaks and tall pines, flowering thorn bushes, gray stones bearded with moss, little creeks running, ice, um, icy down steep, uh, steep hillsides. You know, the Hall of the Mormons is built of huge logs and surrounded by earthen, you know, palisade or palisade. Uh, aside from a few uh, crofters, my people live a- along the coast and fish in the seas. The island lies far to the north, and our winters are more ter- terrible than you can imagine. Uh, you know, he says, and I never lacked for women. I had a share of fishwives and crofters' daughters before and after I wed. Uh, I married young to a bride my father's choosing, a glover of Deepwood Mott. Ten years we were wed, or near enough as makes no matter. She was plain-faced, but not unkind. Um, and then he, she had three miscarriages, uh, and then she died during, uh, during her last pregnancy. So then uh, he ends up going to attorney. Right. Uh, there's a there's attorney yep. after uh, Balin Greyjoy's rebellion. Uh, and so there he he rides in the honor of Lysine Hightower, a maid half his age. Um, and he, they end up uh, kind of getting together after that. And yep. she has expense. And she's terrible. She's terrible. Uh, okay. is she I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, but. She, the, she has exquisite she, taste. We'll, we'll 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 say that. Okay. All right. All right. I just feel like it's almost one of those things. Like he he. I don't know. It's also Jor. It's 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 Jor's fault too. Like he he's smitten by this this individual, and it's it seems more. I hate to say it. More more vain. She's beautiful. Right. She's absolutely just beautiful. She's half his age. And, and and what have you? And you're right. Yeah, her tastes are just not um, 
but yeah, they're, they're exquisite. Like she needs to be entertained and she likes this, whatever. So, you know, she loves the idea of this knight, by the way, we need to mention that, um, you know, Jorah is, is, is a knight, which is interesting and different. Uh, he won his knighthood there and the Greyjoy rebellion as he was, as he was heading in there. So he's able, so he's in these, these tourneys. Um, I think she likes the idea that he would win and he won and he wore her, you know, her favor and stuff, but it just doesn't seem it's not real. And, you know, and after 14 days, uh, a fortnight, right. The, the trip from old town back to, uh, bear Island after that, as soon as she gets there, she, she doesn't like it. Although like they get married quick. I mean, it's literally that night sort of thing. He wins, uh, after breaking how many different lances was it nine or something right, different yeah, lances yeah, off that, of yeah. Jamie Lannister. Yeah. Kind of comes to a draw and then Robert Baratheon sort of says, yep, you know, we're, we're good. He doesn't give it to Jamie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, but so I think, I think they both just fell in love with that idea of like, you know, a, a knight in shining armor, winning attorney and wearing this lady's favor. And again, she, again, she's maybe heard that bear Isle is, is, is beautiful, but she doesn't really know what it's like. I don't know that she's well-traveled. Well, and certainly compared to coming from Old Town to Bear Island, I think that would be a harsh, mm-hmm. uh, a, a harsh, a harsh Shocking. difference. Yeah, for somebody. But that seems to be the case anytime anyone goes north. Any, anyone from the south goes north, like, God, it sucks up here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, you know, although really quick, though, the fact that mm-hmm. Jorah Morma does that well in, the, in a tournament, we never... It's never really oh, yeah. brought up. Uh, really, his, he's legit. Uh, his skill. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's legit. And actually, right before that, so the reason they hold the tournament in Lannisport is because they had just basically won the Greyjoy. They had beaten down the Greyjoys in the Greyjoy Rebellion. And I think he was second uh, behind Thoros of Myrrh in on, like, like in, in ru- rushing in through the gates or through the stone wall. Uh, and, he, he was just valiant, right? And so he gets knighted there. And then it's like afterwards, then they go right down and there's this turning. So it's pretty legit. Like it's, it's, some of, it's some of his first combat. And then boom, here he is. He's knighted and he's in this tourney and he's, he's just killing it. He's just doing well. So was that his prime? I don't know. I mean, he does sort of say later on that anytime he entered a tourney, he did well enough, but he never had that same energy that he had before. And quite honestly, I think he does say somewhere, I can't remember where it's at in here that he, he can hold his own with any fighter. Yeah. I think he, he felt like he was, he was good. He was never a tourney guy. Yep. You know, it's like, like being a, a tourney knight is different than just being a warrior. So, you know, knowing your own strengths and weaknesses and saying, I, you know, I got I can, you know, you may have a lance or you may have a bow or I, I have this or, or whatever. It's, it's different. So he, he, draws a line in the sand there and makes a distinction between the two. But yeah, he never, he never got back to that same sort of, but it's legit. I mean, he, you know, he's going against Jamie Lannister, like, and, and holds his own and, and actually had beat one of the other, uh, Kingsguard in, in that, um, jousting tourney. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and he talks just about that. It's also as he enter, continues to enter these tourneys and he doesn't, he doesn't win. It just becomes more and more and more expensive because you're always giving away armor that costs a lot of money and they're from a smaller house. And so it's just I think it's just, you know, compiling and compiling. And so then ultimately uh, she ends up leaving. And now she's off, you know, being a chief concubine. 
right? Or even, mm-hmm. yeah. And so um, it's a character we haven't run into, but it's kind of like Taisha where a lot of people think. And, you know, it's interesting. Tyrion's, we learned about Tyrion's wife uh, also for a fortnight. So uh, it's possible. Yeah. It's possible that we may run into both of them. And I think at, at some point, which I do think would be. Uh, would be interesting so just as so, so then right as he's getting ready to, ready to leave um Daenerys asks you know like what what did she look like and he says well she looked like you okay so lo- let me pull something up here this is actually kind of a neat little tie-in here a theme uh so this is later on this is when Bran and um Mira and Jojen are are, are doing their thing but they talk about the land and traversing this land and going up and down, um, up and down again. And I, th- I think I think it's Mira who says, you know, I hate these stupid mountains, your prince, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, but yesterday you said that you loved them. Yesterday you said you loved them. Oh, I do. Uh, my Lord Father told me about mountains, but I never saw one till now. So I want you to think about what she's saying here to Bran in the book and then also think about how this would relate to um jorah's second wife uh yeah right so she said you know i i i love them but i also hate them you know i i i'd never seen one until now um i love them more than i can say uh but you just said and then brand says but you just said you hated them why can't it be both let me move on here um because they're different like night and day or ice and fire and uh, let's see here. Keep going here. Just a few more. And then it's uh, Jojen says, if ice can burn, then love and hate can mate. Which is interesting. Love and hate can mate. And it's just sort of weird. It's an odd uh, sort of thing when you think about like j- just the idea. Because let me see in the book here in this chapter. Uh, Danny said she was horrified once once he tells her everything that had happened and that she basically left him and she's the chief concubine uh, of of this. She thinks she's over in Lice, right? Um, mm-hmm. And she, she's a concubine there, the chief one, and to, to the point where even the wife fears uh, fears her. And she says, do you hate her? And he says, yeah, almost as much as I love her. And that's just sort of... That's it, right? Like, like he 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 hates and he loves her, and this is not the only time that that comes up in in this book. So you're gonna see multiple times where the, the characters love something so much, or they think they love it, and they go and they pursue it, and it ends up not being what they what they thought it was gonna be. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So, so, and it's just it's and really it typically happens with our younger characters who are experiencing the world, and that's very that's very relatable. Uh, we go out the gr- the grass is not always you know greener on the on the other side or whatever. Uh, we want to get away from our our father in Old Town, uh, you know, Leighton Hightower, and we just want to get out. So this is a chance to go. But wow, things were much better back home, and now I'm going to boss this guy around to the point where I'm going to complain so much that he uh, starts right. you know, he's buying me goldsmiths and a cook and uh, and a musician, a minstrel, and then. You know, to, to the point where he's broke and he's wanting her now to I have a, now, yeah. and now I have a reason to to leave. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's crazy, crazy. So, 
I just thought that was a neat little connection and something that we'll kind of look for in this book to, to, to see how, uh, the, see how that theme sort of, um, comes and goes it's up and down. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and then, uh, and then, and then, yeah. And so, um, and then, and to just kind of finish here, they, they end up after that, they end up, they, they come, aca- they come to the great city, the great city of Carth, where we yeah. meet, uh, a lot of characters are gonna be big. Pyat Pri, uh, Zaro, Zohan, Doxos, and Quaith. Quaith. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, you have found them. So, all right. Well, hey, man, you know, we're, it's interesting though that now, uh, this is, this is when I think, you know, Sir Ezra, you know, has said in the past with some of these Danny chapters, and they have felt like this, and especially in the first book, it seems so far off, so distant. But I'd say this is really where Daenerys's arc, I think, picks up, and a lot of people really start to kind of enjoy her more um, mm-hmm. and her character more because now we're in Karth, and there's a lot going on. We're in a city, um, and there's a lot more about different kinds of magic, and all that's kind of expanding and stuff. So. Uh, this is where I think Daenerys' story really picks up. Yeah, it does. It does, and some really cool things happen in Karth. It's sort of a, it's in and of itself, its own little contained magical mm. city uh, with some really mysterious stuff and some mysterious characters. It's almost like a, not a halfway point, but it is a meeting of many different cultures, and you've got East and West of Essos sort of like represented there, and it's 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 strange. Um, and, and we'll learn a lot. There'll be some prophecies. There'll be some, uh, they're obsessed over these dragons. So yeah, the 13 are interesting. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Well, uh, let's move on over to send a Raven. Uh, sir, Ezra, I think we have two Ravens today. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do. So lady Christina of house Lloyd sent us one. Um, here we go. So this is sort of a, I, I've, I've been combing back through some of our season eight stuff and finding stuff that's sort of show related. Uh, so this is sort of um, an interesting look on Jon Snow's honesty. All right. Uh, I am. Or so, OK, here we go. Am I the only one who, who is really bothered by Jon this season, this season being season eight? Um, I feel like being an honest man doesn't always equal being a good man. Jon has always been uh, about honor and truth. But the last two seasons and even throughout the entire series, his honesty has come at the expense of others. I think the show wants us to commend his honesty and, and dedication, uh, but I think that honesty for the sake of oneself is not necessarily selfless. John's honesty threw everyone under the bus at the Dragon Pit negotiations. It clouded his judgment with Sansa. Well done, John. Yeah, you can sleep at night knowing <laughs> you've never told a lie. But you nearly got everyone screwed in the dragon pit. Um, you, you've set off Danny, right? Oh, I, I know there are many more examples of his honesty screwing people over, but I'm exhausted after watching the episode. I can't think. Uh, I can't think of all of them now. It just seems that in in his um, incessant dedication to truth, John's judgment has often been thrown off and has been at the detriment of others. To me. That is a very selfish characteristic, and it and it irks me every time a character says uh, what a measured and wonderful ruler he will be. Because to me, his character traits are completely self-interested. Okay, John ran over. There we go. Just wanted to share my thoughts on this character and, and the mis 
interpreting uh, misinterpreting John's self selflessness. Love your podcast. Can't wait for your book rereads and so on. So again, this is um, Lady Christina, and this is back during the show. Of, like I said, I've been combing through. We had over five hundred uh, ravens during the show. Yeah, it was a lot. I mean, season eight was uh, there was a lot. We got a lot, had an insane amount of messages. So it's fun for me. I, I try to go find ones that are not like you know predictions for the end of the series and things like that. And this one was talking about his honesty and the idea that if you know, is he is he honest to a fault? I mean, sort of like Eddard Stark, right? Like just being valiant. I mean, if if people only knew, I guess if, if John knew that his father was holding this this secret, like you, you talk about he's such an honorable man, but then he went south and he came back with a bastard. Um, he's keeping like, okay, so to keep a to keep his word, he has to tell a lie, right? That's something that seems like John in the show maybe would not do. And so Lady Christina is just kind of pointing that out and thinking that maybe he wouldn't be the the best ruler because sometimes, you know, you have to finesse things and you have to kind of compromise with people or not be as blunt uh, to them. You, you see that Stannis Baratheon has trouble with this as well, just in the way that he speaks to people and he's not well loved by the people. Although it's interesting, it's kind of ironic, you know, John is well loved by the people, but yet he still has that same sort of... Um, I, I guess he doesn't have the roughness that Stannis does, but he's still just as blunt and, and honest and stuff. But but then again, I, I still see there's there's um this ambiguousness to it, right? Where where he's like he does break his vows essentially, but he does so to protect the realm and and to survive because Corin Half Ann told him to. So Well and not just that, I would say that I think that and again, whether this was done as well in season eight as it should have been or not, but I think that John's honesty throughout the series, if they're saying, um, yeah, you know, what he does at the Dragon Pit and going forward at taking Danny off, his the final his final big moment in the series is one where he is dishonest, right? He mm-hmm. he shows up to see Daenerys, and Daenerys thinks he's there to you know hey okay now let's start looking at building this new realm and then he kills her you know and 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 all, i mean it's deception right she doesn't know that he's he's there to it's not like he, he kicks in the door and says all right like time to die or you know anything yeah like that yeah. um you know he goes over and kind of they kind of you know almost hug like hug each other then he and then he he stabs her so it's in it's in it's in deception uh and so he does lie in this mm-hmm. in this final moment but i think that the point of that was to make it seem like it was something that was so far out of what he would normally do to make it seem like it's, it's that big of a decision for him. I just don't know if it really came across that well in, in, in the, in the, in the the way the series, Uh, but there was certainly, there was certainly building toward, I mean, episode five uh, where Danny's burning down the city and he's just looking on and, you know, Oh my God, what's, what's happening. And then Varys, um, you know, trying to talk to him and say, you're, you should be the rightful King. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, and, and all of that. So, and then he, he also does, I mean, he, he, he tells the truth, but he, um, he, I mean, he, he kind of in a way lies to Daenerys, uh, you know, when, when Daenerys asks him, don't, say anything he doesn't necessarily say like oh, i won't say anything but he doesn't also like yeah. you know it's, it's a little ambiguous but i would say that it almost feels more like i'm not gonna 
it feels you that know? way technically it does it does right. feel it does feel that way but technically he doesn't necessarily yeah. say what he's yeah so but again i think that's the whole point is that it it's it was to build to this final final moment and whether or not that happened the way it should have or not but i i think that was certainly the intent of that final uh that final moment yeah yeah well and and what a shame i mean she's already burnt the city down you know like just just I mean, rule yeah, it should, maybe maybe you could have stabbed her uh before that yeah well, what, what good really does go it crazy. do now nobody nobody knew that she was going to burn down the city yeah i guess maybe he's trying to you yeah. know prevent future um mad queen stuff but yeah i don't know god i wanted to see them together you know mm -hmm. just ruling together but uh, um okay well we do have another raven here this is from sir michael of house uh lancaster or Lancaster, you know, I can never tell. Yeah. You know, it's is it Lancaster or is it Lancaster? I don't Lancaster. Know. Lancaster. Okay. Um Hey Matt and as uh huge fans of the show, found you guys during season eight. I've been a faithful listener since. Well, thank you. Uh the uh, the prequel show, uh that is uh, the upcoming prequel show. He says, uh, what uh, books, you know, or source material should I go back and read? I've heard you two mention the world of ice and fire and a few others, but I can't remember what ones you had said. So, uh, yeah, I would say that it's going to be about the Dance of Dragons. It's uh, around Aegon the Third's timeline. Um, you have Aegon or not Aegon. Um, yeah, God. Now, Damon Targaryen, not Damon Blackfire, although technically he is. Damon mm -hmm. Targaryen, but Damon Targaryen, uh, and you got the Blacks and the Greens, two kind of rival factions in the Targaryen household. Um, it's much similar uh, to the Blackfire Rebellion uh, in a way, but uh, but yeah. uh, but certainly before that. Uh, and so, Fire and Blood is a great place to go for that, um, which pulls a lot from the World of Ice and Fire, which is a huge history book, uh, which covers from the Dawn Age all the way up into Robert's Rebellion. And then there are also these novellas or sort of shorter stories. Uh, and there's one called The Rogue Prince, which is about Daemon Targaryen. And then there's one called um, The Blacks and the Greens, like The Princess and the yeah. Queen, I think it's yeah. called. So those, so I'd say those two novellas, and those are pretty much ported over into Fire and Blood, uh, and so which is a Targaryen history, volume one. And so some of that stuff is repetitive. You can it's you'll kind of see it in all three of those in the in the set in the chapters on a, in World of Ice and Fire, um, the the two novellas and then uh, Fire and Blood. But I would say I would I personally if I had to buy one, I would go with a World of Ice and Fire. I think it's just a easier read. It's a cool looking table top book. Um, it is not as in depth specifically about that time period as say uh, fire and blood is but fire and blood as as and i have said is is quite dry it's it's it can be kind of a difficult read yeah not the, that it's not that not that it's hard it's it, but it's just it's, it's good just dry it's thick yeah it, it it is still a really good uh resource and and actually um what happens it, it just goes quick it's got a fast paced pace so you hear a name and you're expected to remember that name and know who that person is uh, because we're not going to mention them again until, you know, page or two later, they're brought back up and it's like, wait, who was that again? You know, in, mm -hmm. in, a, in a normal novel, uh, in, in like this story, we learn, we spend a lot of time, a whole chapter with Bran and his brothers, and we really get to learn, learn them and you're kind of guided through. 
uh, versus Fire and Blood is just almost like a you know it's, it's a it's a briefer version of this, and it's kind of doing a big comb, a, a big brush over uh, of of the history. Sir Matt, I got a question for you. Um, do you think the the new TV show, right, this this prequel that's coming out, where do you think it's going to start? Do you think it's going to start with like uh, King Viserys, and maybe? You know, yeah, I don't know because I feel like yeah, I feel like you have to tell that story a little bit and how because I've seen I've seen um yeah I've definitely seen another uh, another big Game of Thrones YouTuber uh Gray Area um mm-hmm. she's on Twitter and stuff like that and uh and she brought up a really good point in that if it's just gonna be the War of the Blacks and the Greens then she thinks she's like well that's only like two seasons because it's mm-hmm. not it's 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 not going to be long enough my this is my guess is yeah i think maybe we'll start with king viserys and we'll we may actually even start or i i don't know that they plan on this being eight seasons because the kind of the advantage you have in calling it house of the dragon is you could make it about any targaryen in history yeah at any point So you could call it House of the Dragon, start with the War of the Blacks and the Greens, and run it all the way up to Robert's Rebellion if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could easily transition into the Blackfire Rebellion. You could, and then you could go all the way up to Dunkin' Egg. I mean, theoretically, this could be a 20 to 25 season show. It doesn't have to be, and it doesn't need to be, but it theoretically could could be and then you know i think the other thing is that even if it is just that 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 war the dance of the dragons and let's say let's say the war is if you just focused on those characters two seasons well that's why you bring in guys like you know like craig and stark and some of these other people and other, uh, what, what's going on with the with you know the uh, the lannisters what's going on with the starks what's going on with the dornish are a lot more kind of involved uh, not necessarily involved in the Westerosian politics, but the conquest of Dorne was such a more important thing at that time. So they were actually going down to Dorne a lot more. Yeah. Um, y- you know, the you don't really have, and then you could make up any Esso story you want. Uh, because who knows what's going on over there at that time? We don't really, really know, and you could really just make up whatever you wanted. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do with a lot of the other regions and make up characters arcs. You're because it's a much more loose story. You're given the directors and writers will be given a lot more freedom to kind of write whatever they want. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you're right. Yeah, there's a few things mentioned in Essos, but not not enough that like there's a whole. No. Yeah, there, there's tons of, of room to kind of make make things up. Um or, or weave them into this story if you wanted to, um, to try and lengthen it if you needed to. So yeah, I guess I asked that question because, you know, we're not going to start with, they could do a little sort of uh, almost like what they do in, in, in Lord of the Rings where they sort of like, yeah, this is going to be focused on um, the Dance of Dragons, but you could just do a brief little uh, clip of, of all the other, you know, uh, kings, now lords, kneeling to Aegon the Conqueror. Right. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, have a little blurb that kind of talks about how, you know, I, I don't know how they're going to introduce the whole thing or where we're going to start. But I think, you know, for example, you're not going to start with him. You're not going to start with King Jaehaerys. You're not going to start with the old king. Um, 
it just seems like Viserys is is the one you would start with because it's again his daughter uh, and his his wife, who are his first daughter, born of uh, Emma Aaron, who dies. That is going to then later be pitted against his wife, Alicent Hightower. So, and and the whole Hightowers and everything. So it's it's going to be it's it's really and then his brother is in there. It, it, you know, with his Otto, Otto Hightower, yeah, Aemon, Aemon Targaryen. I mean, there's so much. There's, 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 there's a lot of stuff you can do with this. I'm not worried at all about this running out of content. No, and that's why I think I, I, I really just think uh, if I had to make a prediction that they're going to start with the series and they're going to, they're, we're going to see sort of this great, um, uh, a calling of this great council to sort of say like, okay, well, the throne can't pass to a woman, right? And that's what they. Uh, even though, I mean, that was said uh, back during, I uh, was like the old king, uh, and he gets in, he has some grief with his wife on that, but then come down to Viserys, he doesn't care. This is his uh, child, you know, uh, Rhaenyra, who, who, who he loves, and he says, you know, she's next in line, so tough luck. Well, Alison Hightower doesn't like that. Um, she wants her son to be, she wants to follow sort of what was dictated in this um, council. So it's just things like that that I think they're going to have to talk about. Like, why is there this Dance of Dragons? Well, we're going to have to go back yeah. to, to, to to Viserys to really talk about it. Then on the backside, you could add in the Hour of the Wolf. You could, uh, you know, there's there's tons of... And then the other thing is, you could make all sorts of references in this that you could build side stories that, you know, are just kind of there... That just tie into a Game of Thrones. I mean, yeah, yeah. The Night's Watch and all that stuff isn't even mentioned here, but if you wanted to show it and you wanted to possibly give us a reason more as to what's going on with the White Walkers or whatever, I mean, yeah. you could weave that in because it's 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 so loose that you could just kind of do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, so it's exciting. All right, well, awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for that, uh, Sir Sir Michael. So. Um, all right. Well, uh, as yep, that's kind of it for us today. Yes, sir. Uh, do you have anything else you want to tackle before we, we sign off here? Uh, no, I think, uh, just for folks, you know, again, if you wouldn't mind, we'd love to have you over on YouTube just to uh, subscribe and like the video. I mean, it's, it's, we're still working on it. We're still you know, getting things fine tuned and everything, mm -hmm. but it's just for fun and it does open up more. Um, you know, just, it helps, it helps us out, I guess. If, if you wouldn't mind uh, going over and subscribing and liking and, and leaving a comment All or something. Things. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be really nice. And because from there, we actually plan on, I think uh, we have one or two videos already planned that are going to be just short, you know, five, 10 minute uh, theory videos that we're going to do on YouTube. So if you're subscribed there, you'll, you'll see those. And we'll mention them in the Facebook group. And we'll probably even mention them here on the podcast because I know a lot of people don't, um, either they don't follow us on social media. They're not into that. And they just listen to the podcast. So we'll make sure to mention that here. But yeah, make sure you check that out. And um, yeah, thanks for all the support and, and all the, we, we had a lot of new reviews. Appreciate that. Uh, you guys are great. So we, we really enjoy this book club and it's just a lot of fun. It's getting more exciting here with these point of views that we're in right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing chapter 13, John 2 of A Clash of Kings. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that the night is dark and full of...